0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to She's a Boss podcast, where each episode, we bring you the story of an amazing female leader. I'm Becky Bowie, and today for episode number 60, I'm chatting with Sarah Jones-Simmer. Sarah, welcome to She's a Boss.
1: Thanks, Becky. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, thanks for being here. So Sarah is the chief operating officer of Bumble, the the female-first social networking app that brings kindness and respect back into introductions and promotes equality in relationships. In her role, Sarah oversees core business strategy growth and marketing initiatives and facilitates the expansion of Bumble's rapidly growing team, headquartered in Austin, Texas, with offices around the world. Sarah started her career analyzing equities and market conditions at an LA-based hedge fund and later moved into strategy consulting, advising clients from established luxury brands to startups to high net worth individuals and celebrities on a range of philanthropic and social good initiatives. Immediately prior to Bumble, she was the head of BizDev at a venture-backed consumer brand focused on sustainable beauty. Sarah has spoken at South by Southwest, the Global Partnership for Education, and UN special sessions on topics ranging from girls' and women's rights to the future of ethical business. And she spends her time outside of work raising two amazing young daughters. So let's start with Bumble. Um, And I know that, you know, I feel like everyone knows what Bumble is at this point, but for anyone who may not be familiar with Bumble, can you give us a quick background on on what the company is and how it began?
1: Absolutely. So Bumble is a social networking platform known for being female first because of the way that we prioritize the user experience, especially for women users. Um, And we encourage women users to make the first move in any type of heterosexual connection. We were founded in 2014 by a woman named Whitney Wolf Hurd, who was also a co-founder of Tinder. We got our start as a dating app, but we've expanded into friend finding and also business connections. And we've now got 40 million users worldwide.
0: Great. And I know that you've been Bumble at a little over a year now. And I think you mentioned when we were chatting earlier that you were at number 25. Um, so I think the first thing that people probably think about when they hear, of, you know, you having this amazing role at Bumble is, okay, it's super competitive getting a job at Bumble and very protective of the culture, like very exciting place to work. So what's, what's your story for how you were able to get in there at Bumble?
1: I mean, it's wonderful to hear that there's so much enthusiasm for working at Bumble. Mm -hmm. Um, We, as you said, yes, we are growing fast. I joined about a year and a half ago and I was employee number 25, we're around 100 globally now. We're headquartered in Austin, but we've got offices in New York, a small team in Los Angeles, London, Toronto, Berlin, Sydney, and we're about to open our first office in Asia. And so it's been really interesting to think about, as you pointed out, this this culture that we've built that we really hold very dear and think about as such an engine for growth of the brand and the business overall. And how do you start to scale that? And how do you really localize teams to be able to interact with users in unique markets because we know that every market thinks about things like dating and relationships and friendship and business in really different nuanced ways. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have to sort of build the infrastructure and the capacity globally to market locally to those audiences. Um, and so, I guess I would agree to a certain extent that getting a job at Bumble is very competitive, but it's because we're looking for amazing team members that can understand this really special culture and mm-hmm. this this special product market fit that we've established, but are also interested in growing the user base aggressively. Because they all believe in our North Star, which is ending misogyny and creating empowerment in relationships. And because we get to be purpose-driven and because we get to focus on bringing that North Star to life every single day, we're looking for people who share that value set. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually found my job through a job posting, like a good old-fashioned on LinkedIn job posting. And I read the job description, and I just knew that it was my dream job.
0: And Mm -hmm. I would say I was
1: happily employed in my prior role, um, which was at an e-commerce startup But everything that I had been building towards in my career up until that point, the work I had done as an investor and as a strategy consultant, the work I had done to look across businesses at what made them thrive and turn into successful behemoths, and all the values work that I did around social good and philanthropy and and investing in girls and women as a space, I really felt like this tied it all together. And I was excited to think about how to bring all of that Strategic business expertise to something that really mattered so much to me. Um, So I saw the job posting and I looked up every single possible connection that could get me in front Mm -hmm. of someone at Bumble. Uh, And eventually found that someone I had worked with previously, he had actually been a product manager on my team, um, knew the the chief of staff at Bumble. And Mm. I had him reach out to her and sort of aggressively hound her until she would agree to take a meeting with me. Um, And, you know, luckily this woman, Caroline, agreed to have coffee with me. And, and, you know, that that conversation really changed my life and put me on the trajectory here. I, I could tell from that first meeting with her that Bumble was really something special. And I knew it was something I wanted to be a part of.
0: Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I was chatting with um, someone recently who's in college and was looking for some advice. And I I think I've taken for granted how important it is to find someone to help refer you into a company. I just sort of assume that everybody everybody does that. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, not everybody knows that. And not everybody knows how important it is to have to really invest in your network so that you can get those introductions. It's it's so important. I mean, I think
1: to your question around competitiveness before, you know, depending on the role, we're getting thousands and thousands of applications and it is hard to stand out. But if you have someone vouching for you, that really does go such a long way. I would say the other way that Mm -hmm. we do a lot of hiring at Bumble is through Bumble Biz. Um, which Mm -hmm. is the professional networking side of our app. So if you download Bumble, you basically have the opportunity to engage in one of three modes, Bumble Date, Bumble BFF, which is our friend finding tool, and Bumble Biz, which is all about networking and professional connections and it's not optimized as a recruiting platform and that's really intentional it's Mm -hmm. much more about this care and nurturing of your network that we all frankly should be doing all the time and none of us probably invest enough in it Mm -hmm. Um, but it's a it's about meeting those casual connections and meeting someone for coffee when you're new to a city or when you're interested in making a career transition or if you know that your, the nature of your work is freelance oriented. It's, it's a new tool to make those connections. But we do a lot of hiring off of that. And it's not yeah. always because we're posting and we need to hire someone immediately. But we're trying to develop relationships with creative individuals or great marketers or product people. And we find them on the app and we nurture those relationships across our team. And then when something comes up, we know that we have this bank of incredibly talented individuals to go mm-hmm. to.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that you guys are have that in the app because I think it's so important for people to think about that. Um, not just when you have an ask, but all along, you know, what who who's your network, who who do you want to have relationships with and then see yeah. where that takes you. And you never know, you like you really never know um, whether the connection you're making now will be someone that helps you find a job in the future or it's someone that you help, it's someone that you can connect with someone else it's just a good feeling to have that, um, to have that network and, and have those people that you, you know can really learn from as well
1: I totally agree, and I think it's a common mistake. I was just mm-hmm. talking to my husband about this recently that people only invest in networking when they need something and yeah. that is why like networking and even some platforms you know, arguably like a LinkedIn, they, they, they feel transactional because you know somebody on the other side wants something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't treat our friendships that way or we shouldn't. Right. We really shouldn't treat our business relationships that way either. And there is so much to be gained by just the care and nurturing of having a coffee with someone that you don't know yet, but that has mm-hmm. a really interesting career and the role that you want to go into. Or frankly, nurturing those relationships Um, that you have with former colleagues, whether they were your manager or your peer or someone that reported to you, Mm -hmm. kind of investing in that care and nurturing. You know, as I was saying earlier, the reason I have this job at Bumble was because of someone who was on my team before Mm -hmm. and who reported to me. And I think it can feel really, I mean, look, we're all overwhelmed we all have too many things to do we all have enough on our work plate (laughs) it can be really hard to say like oh and I've also got to invest in networking all the time right and Mm -hmm. I've got to invest in maintaining these relationships with people that I worked with before but as you said you never know which one of those is going to open a door to something really interesting in the future and I think Mm -hmm. if you feel a connection with someone on a professional level and you feel like there is something to your future of either working with them or they really understand what makes you tick or they might be able to help open doors for you. It's worth investing in that as much as none of us needs one more thing on the to-do list. Like (laughs) this is an investment in your own professional future.
0: Exactly. I want to touch on something you mentioned earlier about Bumble's North Start. A lot of us, or, or some of us, I should say, are fortunate that we work for companies who strive to support and develop women as employees. So you might have an employee resource group and, and, and look to support each other in that way. But you actually work for a company whose mission is centered on gender equality. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious, how does this influence you as a leader within the organization, whether it's how you're representing the company, how you're hiring, developing, like what are the things that are different as a result of that being central to your, to your North star?
1: Yeah. I mean, for us, that North star is ending misogyny. And there's so much that you can think about in terms of actions that you can take to unpack that and make it a reality. And, and of course, we need to be living that first and foremost within our own work environment. Um, And so we have tried to take really real actions to think about Okay, hey, as Bumble, we have this opportunity to prove ourselves as a profitable business with a multi-billion dollar valuation, and that's going to change the lives of our users. Mm-hmm. But that also creates a template for like what a female-founded, female-led, female-oriented business can achieve as a corporate entity. And then don't we have this interesting responsibility mm-hmm. to also say, how are we deconstructing corporate norms? And and reimagining them in a really female first way. So you know, as a couple discrete examples, we think about flexibility a lot. You know, for our working parents, for the women in our office and men in our office who are going to need to be able to pick up their kids early because they're sick, or who are going to need to work from home so that they can turn over a couple loads of laundry or meet the plumber while they also get their work done. This this idea of butts in seats so that you can have FaceTime. And work around a schedule that doesn't work for you. Like Mm -hmm. that doesn't serve us or our productivity if it doesn't work for our employees. And embedded in that is a lot of accountability to one another that we know that the work is getting done. But if you build that culture of respect and accountability, then you see that being able to come to life for people and they feel taken care of. Um, Another way we think about that is, I think this this idea around um, corporate structure and hierarchy perhaps comes from a really competitive and male-dominated workplace culture. And we have found that leaning into things like collaboration and pairing people with super complementary skill sets can really help to amplify the work that any one of them could do on an individual basis. So, you know, we have two VPs of marketing globally that work hand in glove. One is an incredibly strategic thinker who is great at visioning the 12 and 18 month plan and putting those puzzle pieces together. The other is incredibly creative and comes up with these wild outside the box ideas. And you bring those two things together. And that's where the magic happens. And if we were to say you can only have one person leading any function within the organization, like that just that doesn't make sense, right? Um, and I think there are a lot of places where you can kind of say like, okay, well, this is the way that it was done, but does that mean it's the best way to do something, right? And you know, our team is around eighty-five percent female, um, and our leadership team is also around eighty-five percent female, and so we just are trying to think about those things differently. And I think we have a real opportunity to to think about how do you reshape the workplace in a way that is perhaps more optimized for women and mm-hmm. and I don't think enough other people are doing that and frankly we're proving that that is highly profitable and can create a highly successful business
0: that's amazing and what an amazing career opportunity as well to be able to be a part of that and to to you know throw the old ideas out and and be willing to test and and find out what works so yeah. in Yeah. And so in thinking about that, like in the time that you've been at Bumble, what have you been most proud of so far?
1: Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) You know, I feel like I'm just so proud of the mission and vision that we get to focus on and this idea that we get to lead with purpose each and every day. And frankly, that's what motivates everybody on our team. Um, But it is so rare, you know, and we get to look, for instance, at where we want to expand to internationally next. And we do all of the sort of analysis that you would imagine and think about total addressable market share and what that revenue potential is going to be and how many users and how do we matrix all of this out. And we get to hold that in one hand. And on the other hand, we can say, where do we get to do the most good? And where Mm -hmm. do cultural norms need the most change around these ideas of empowerment and around equality for women and equality for everyone in relationships and mm-hmm. and how can we sort of marry those things and like what a privilege to be able to operate as a business and think about the intersection of that and not right. just have to lean into how do we generate more and more and more profit because we've proven this wonderful high margin business model and it facilitates the growth of all of those incredible social impact Mm -hmm. priorities. So we can stay focused on that North star. Um, And for me as an individual, I think, you know, coming into a company like Bumble that was growing so fast and had already established this incredible product market fit and had built this brand that people really wanted to attach to and got excited about it's like this magic that so few businesses ever achieve. And I was hyper, hyper aware of that from the get-go. And I felt like it was my responsibility to never lose sight of that magic and to try to facilitate the growth of this infrastructure around that and give us the ability to think about scale and globalization and, and like templatizing things so that we can move faster, but never to lose sight of that magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, that has probably been my greatest challenge, but, but also maybe the thing that I'm most proud of in the sense that I don't feel like I've lost sight of that. It's been hard. And, and thankfully, I have, you know, a wonderful founder and CEO and Whitney who constantly is reminding me and the entire organization of that. And I have these examples of the early founding team, like Caroline, who I mentioned before, and you know the others who joined the team as the second and third and fourth employee, that they constantly are holding on to that magic and are reminding us of the North Star. And when you have leadership like that who can really keep you all fired up around that core mission and vision and that we're just building the business around that, like that's incredibly exciting and that's something I'm really proud of.
0: Yeah, and I can imagine that also comes back to how you hire and how you develop develop your team and how you motivate them. Is because if you're if you all are very focused on that mission and keeping it in mind in all the decisions you're making, then you can you know continue to keep that as a very strong piece of your culture and a really motivating factor for
1: mm-hmm. your team.
0: Okay, so on the flip side of that, so we talked a little bit about some of the exciting um, things that you've done and and that you're proud of, but have you had any stumbles or any fails? And it, maybe it's not specific to Bumble, but Anything along that line that you're willing to share?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I think um, it's our responsibility as leaders to constantly be self-aware and introspective and say, like, what could I have done differently in this situation? Or how, how might I think about doing this differently in the future? Um, And anyone who says that they haven't had stumbles or failures is just not being honest with themselves,
0: (laughs) I think. um, Or they haven't taken any risks at all.
1: Yeah, there you go. So like, (laughs) neither one of those things are good. Um, You know, there's been times where I've thought, hey, I have an interesting idea for restructuring this team. And how about we try it this way for a little while? And it didn't work, you know, And, and that happened pretty early on as I was thinking about like, okay, How do we create more capacity for scale by maybe moving some things around or breaking apart different pieces that like, should they be together? Or have they just ended up that way? Um, And I made one shift to a team member uh, and moved her away from someone who she really did respect and admire as a mentor. And I was wrong, you know, and I went to the both of them afterwards and said, "I I don't think this was the right idea. And I really appreciate you taking this risk with me. But I think the right decision now would be to change things back. And I think when you can, as a leader, come authentically and talk through why you did something and be able to justify the decision, but then also be able to admit that, you know what, it didn't work. Uh, I I think that level of authenticity builds that trust and relationship so that people understand where the intention comes from, but they also Mm -hmm. don't feel like you're too proud to recognize when something didn't go the right way. Um, And I think like more and more of us need to be willing to embrace that type of authentic leadership because it does build this feeling of um, healthy vulnerability with your team. And Mm -hmm. that's the foundation of trust.
0: Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And I, and that's one reason I like asking that question in these interviews is I feel like I I was actually in a group training at one point where we were all trying to explore how to scale our impact as leaders. And we started discussing who we thought some of the best leaders were within our mm-hmm. organization and comparing their styles and comparing what, what they had in common. And we found that all of the ones that we listed as the best leaders were all ones that were willing to be vulnerable. And, mm-hmm. and, they, and as such, we, we felt more comfortable taking risks um, for those leaders than for the ones that, se- that seemed perfect. Because yeah. the ones that seemed perfect made us feel like we had no room for imperfection, and as such, we only stuck to more uh, proven strategies with those. Right. So, and then you're not
1: then you're not taking the risks that could ultimately like unlock some really interesting new
0: channel for exactly. growth or change exactly. You're just making the small improvements to versus where you could have a big step change um, in your metrics because you're taking big risks and you're innovating. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally. As agree. I
1: as I look back on my own career, I can think of. Mentors who were who were such wonderful, like, quote, unquote, player coaches in Mm -hmm. that regard, because you felt like you could take a risk under their leadership, and that they would have your back, even if they didn't necessarily agree with the risk, or, you know, sometimes you're, you're intentionally moving so fast that they don't even have the full capacity to understand the risk you're taking, Mm -hmm. but that you felt like you had that support because they were really on your team. And that was what springboards your own growth, and then your team's growth and your organization's growth but you really need to feel like you've got that supportive foundation of trust with that other person. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I think as I look back on those instances, it inspires me to to try to want to be more like those people.
0: Yeah, exactly. So you mentioned looking back on your career and some learnings there um, on the mentorship side. So I'm also interested to hear if you can pinpoint any specific decisions you made or actions that you took, that drove your career trajectory in a certain direction, um, just as we're thinking about people listening who might be looking to replicate some of your successes.
1: You know, it's interesting when I saw this question and I was thinking through it, I mean, to be honest, the single biggest step change that happened in my leadership style and my, my management style specifically, um, was having a baby, which I wouldn't recommend oh. that people do. <laughs> Add that to the re- list. Like, was- the reason to do it. <laughs> um, but it really opened up my eyes. I think when you, you suddenly have this new life that you're dealing with, it, it helped me understand, um, especially as she grew, this idea of like, teaching and understanding other people's points of view. So, so let me back it up a second and say, when I was earlier in my career, I did really well managing and inspiring and coaching people who were a lot like me. Mm -hmm. And I really struggled to put myself, in retrospect, in the shoes of people who thought very differently than me or were motivated Mm -hmm. in really different ways. And rather than me as a leader trying to understand what best motivated them, I just tried to push them more and more into the type of structure that I felt like I could understand. And so I would have this handful Mm -hmm. of high performers that I felt like were totally clicking and were working wonderfully together and we just get each other And then I would have other folks who I was struggling to unlock their potential, but I didn't necessarily see that as my own failing. I saw it as like, oh, maybe it's a fit issue or maybe we're just not the right combination for one another. So then you suddenly have this baby and you realize like, there is nothing that I can do to teach them to be more like me. I need to understand their motivations, and and this becomes like really apparent when they become a toddler, and you're like, I really have no idea what it is.
0: I really but wish I could you put won't. you on. I wish I could put you on a plan right now, but yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not going to put <laughs> <laughs> to
1: eat more vegetables, right? And but no, of course you can't. And so you really have to start to put yourself behind those, that other person's eyes mm-hmm. and think about, like, how do I encourage and coach this behavior by understanding their motivations, not trying to fit them into mine? Um, and that, like, unlocked a major step change in the way that I thought about management and leadership and, like, what real inspiration and coaching and mentorship looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, certainly I still have room to grow in that area, as does any leader, um, but this it really unlocked something in me, and I think if you were to even talk to some of the team members that I was working most closely with at that point when they could see and feel me going through that transition, they would acknowledge that too.
0: That's um, so interesting and i because I've heard that I've heard of people coming back from maternity leave with a different perspective or parent you know becoming a parent male or female, and I've definitely heard of people learning through their career. Um, more of a strength focused leadership style versus just trying to get everyone to fix their weaknesses. But I've never heard those two combined together that the actual, you know, parenthood being the, the reason for you to recognize the different strengths across different people. But that's interesting. Um, yeah, so speaking of, them all you know, awesome. yeah, <laughs> speaking of leadership learnings, are there any other things that you can kind of look back on and um, that you've learned that maybe you wish you would have known earlier in your career about how to be an effective leader?
1: one of the things that is so easy to conflate is that leadership is tied to the size of your team or the number of people that you manage. Mm-hmm. And I can look back now and recognize that some of the moments where I was most stepping into leadership, I had the least number of direct reports or in some cases mm-hmm. none. Mm-hmm. And and that like what real leadership is, is being able to mobilize and galvanize excitement around an idea or a mission or a purpose or some goal and that real leadership looks like that type of servant leadership that frankly is that player coach stuff where you're in the trenches enough with people where they feel supported and they develop that trust with you and you don't have to be their manager on paper for that to happen you can be their peer you can be someone in a totally different department but not to feel like you don't have this opportunity to step into leadership until you have X number of people on an org chart reporting to you. Mm -hmm. Um, I think leadership is so developed through these other softer skills. um, And again, this idea of sort of energizing a community around an idea whether that community is your your peers or other employees, whether that's users, whether, you know, there's there's other ways to even sort of cultivate those leadership qualities inside and outside of your professional environment
0: mm-hmm. and,
1: and not feeling like you have to wait until your title is manager or senior manager or whatever the right. case may be, that you really have a chance to step into this much sooner in your career.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it probably... Depends a little bit on the organization you're in and how much flexibility there is for you to take on, you know, solving problems outside of your of your scope of your role. But I would say that most most companies are very excited to have people just to take leadership and take ownership over things, whenever, um, regardless of whether it's in your title or not. But to your point, it doesn't even have to be in your day job. It could be looking for things that you're passionate about and just taking a leadership position in a hobby.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, Sarah, thanks so much for your time today. It's been wonderful learning more about you and um, hearing your advice and hearing you know, what you've learned briefly. I feel like we could talk probably for hours and hours about all the different learnings from your, your various, various stages in your career. But before I let you go, um, if people want to connect with you or if they want to learn more about you or about Bumble, what's the best way for them to find you?
1: they should definitely download Bumble Um, and anyone can be a Bumble user now because it's not just about dating. It's about BFF and biz. And you can absolutely find me on Bumble biz and I would love to connect with you there. And please also follow Bumble on social, on our Twitter account and on our Instagram where we really sort of make that value set that we were just talking about so clear. And we would love Mm -hmm. to have you join us in our mission to end misogyny and to really create a more empowered equal world.
0: Perfect. Well, Sarah, thanks so much. It was so great chatting with you. It
1: was so nice chatting with you too. Thanks so much, Becky.
0: And thank you all for listening to She's a Boss podcast. Goodbye.